Awesome. Thank you. It is always such a privilege to be able to just preach and share. Um, I have an amazing wife and my kids who are with me. We doubled children's ministry today, which is amazing. Um, babe, could you stand up quick? This is my amazing wife, Sammy. Um, and I have four kids who've come with us. They're also very excited. And um, yeah, it, it really is just a privilege to even be here to see what God is doing in you guys and um, feeling so strongly actually this message and what the Lord wants to come and show you. And so there's a few opening statements that I want to make. The first one is this. You have heard the scripture many times in your life that I want to use. I'm asking for this. Take all of that reference point and just put it on pause at the moment. Because I feel like the Lord has shown me, and it's nothing new, it's um, a lot of scholars land in the same place, but I think sometimes we use scriptures in a certain way, and they start to mean a certain thing to us, but actually there's a whole context, and so there's a big portion of scripture this morning, afternoon, I'm used to meeting at 8.30, that I'd like, I'd like us to have a new look and a new lens on, because I feel like it's not a statement, it's, it's a truth. And it's got an implication in your life, and then it's got a clarification for if you don't understand. And that's the three basic things I want to do. Is that okay? So Holy Spirit, I want to ask right now, would you just come and do what only you can do? Holy Spirit, would you bring the words of Jesus to life? Holy Spirit, you're welcome here right now. And I ask that you would come and do the things that, that Jesus, you said the Holy Spirit would do. Would you come and comfort and help and convict of righteousness? Would you come and show us how we ought to live and give us the power to live like this? In your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We can turn in our Bibles to 1 John 1 verse 5 to 10, and I'm going to just explain this to you, and it's super harsh, and then it's amazing, and then it's super harsh, and it's amazing, and so it's one of those, yay, oh, yay, oh, one of, it's one of those. Um, so let's read it first. So 1 John 1 verse 5 to 10, I'm reading NLT, so I hope we're similar, um, and it says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and we now declare to you. I, I need you to understand this little opening line. This is John, the disciple, a.k.a. Jesus' bestie. So, so when he says, this is a message from Jesus, he's saying, I lived with the man. I was closer to him than anybody else, and he taught me something. So when a guy like that is saying, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say, it's very important to understand that he's not giving his opinion. He's not giving you his subjective truth. He's giving you the objective truth that even if you believe in your heart differently, you are wrong. Even if your life experience, even if the way things that have happened to you make you feel like this is wrong, you are wrong. Yo, why do you have to go so harsh, bro? <laughs> and this is important for me to say. Do you know why? You live in a postmodern society. That means from Monday to Monday, you are consistently imprinted that the truth 
is subject to what you believe to be true. So you get that in media, you get that in social media, you get that from Hollywood, you get that at university, you get that at work, you get that consistently all the time, that the truth is subject to how you feel about it. Big statements like, that's not my truth. I'm, we had a terribly difficult situation. We had to meet with a guy two months ago. This man had been in full-time ministry for 18 years. He had led two different churches. And he sat in front of me. He's been married 25 years. He's got two children. And he said to me, I'm divorcing my wife. I've never loved her. So what do you mean? What about what the Bible says? He says, no, I know what the Bible says, but I need to live out what is true to me. And I need to find what makes me happy because I only have one life and I need to experience joy in my life and my marriage is not where I experience joy. And so I'm leaving the marriage, I'm divorcing, I'm, I'm out. I sat there, I was, but you've preached. Do you know what this, I was like, do you know that this means church discipline? You know we're gonna have to stand up in front of the whole church and put you out the church and hand you over to Satan. And he's like, I said to him, what are you going to do if you're wrong? What about what the Lord says? He says, to be honest, I don't actually care. It's a guy that led different churches, full-time ministry for 18 years. And I want to tell you that if you think that society does not form and impress on the way that you think, live, and breathe, and act, and do, you are wrong. We all think this way, and so we have to, you have to. When, the re, when you read the Word of God, it is different to even when you're reading study material. It is different. Okay. What an opening line. Awkward. <laughs> and so, this is my disclaimer. If I hurt you today, I'm sorry. I, I, I would be sorry if this hurts you, because I, didn't, I wouldn't want you to be hurt. But I also know that this is the truth. And there's no, there's no other way to say what is true. This is objectively the truth. Okay? And this is the first big statement. This is the truth that he wants to mention. And it's not as bad as you think. It's actually amazing. <laughs> this is the message we heard from Jesus. And now I declare to you, God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. This is a major area of contention for us. Because I want to say this to you. Who do you know that has no darkness at all in them? No one. Because we don't have a reference point for what this even looks like. That means you already come into this handicapped. That means if I tell you, man, Jesus loves you so much. He wants to die on the cross. He wants, he's, he's paid for your sin. If you're coming to a relationship with you think this is amazing, I wonder what the motive is. We think that God has this hidden agenda. We think that there might be a motive about him that we don't know. When maybe I experience a tragedy, someone I know, someone I love dies. Someone I want to be with leaves me. I go through rejection, I go through pain, I go through mental illness, I go through health problems. My experience is, surely there's a dark side to God that I don't know. Why would he let this happen? How can be God be good and there be suffering? 
How can I be going through pain? And this is what happens when we assume that there's any darkness in him. There's not. And so John is saying, I need you to understand this right off the bat. In God, there is no hidden agenda. There is no motive. You're not going to get close to him and then surprise. You didn't actually know, but this is what it meant. Or you're not going to actually get there and realize that I actually have to believe certain things that I don't want to because otherwise God's not really real. Because how do I explain? No, no, no. In God, there is no darkness. But do you know that in you there is? In every single one of us. And the problem is that because he doesn't have any darkness in him, initially when you get saved, it's very easy to bring everything into the light. It's so easy. Because you're like, I've got this backlog, and you're telling me that it's all forgiven, so here's the, let me give you the download. Easy. But as you start to journey with Jesus more and more, and you know you're supposed to become like him, and he has no darkness, you start to actually not want to bring things into the light. You start to actually want to live a certain way. And it's the light. It's not just the truth. And I'll explain that now. I did this exercise last week, not this past week, the week before. I felt the Lord drop the script in my heart and I, I, and I felt him drop a question that, he, that I asked every single person I met with that week. It, I, I want you to know it was extremely awkward. But I dropped it in every meeting. Elders, lead elders, Guys who are overseeing congregations, people like every, my wife, it started with my wife. And the question was this. I started like this. What sin are you battling at the moment? What is this? What, today? Don't tell me about last week. Don't even tell me about three weeks ago, Saturday. I want to know today. Today. What is the sin that you are battling with right now? We're often scared to ask that question because we know that then they're going to ask it back. <laughs> and we don't want to give that answer. So we're a little bit like, mm, let's say the last six months, you know, let's be, let's be brought, let's, no, no, no. Because what I felt the Lord was speaking to me about is that actually when the Lord builds in us, he builds on what we have in common, which is the fact that even that sin that you, that you are battling with today, you all come in here with something and we're going to, I promise you're going to get there. It's just a long intro. It's a short preach. That every single one of you, every single one of you walked in here with an area of sin that you are at war with, with an area of your life. For some, it is, it is manifested itself in sin. You've, you've missed the mark. And it can be, sometimes that's the reason why worship is difficult and fellowship is hard. And, because you know that there is something inside of me that's not inside of God. And I don't know how to bring that to him. And I don't know how to, I don't know how to come here. And I, I repented to him, but does that mean it's forgotten or forgiven? Or what if there's the side of God that I didn't know? And so leaders don't rise up as leaders because there's a little bit of darkness that they're afraid to bring into the light. Uh, uh, you, can, you can see this in marriages. You watch a backfooted, passive husband, husband, 90% of the time, hidden sin in his life. And he can't lead his wife because he's ashamed of something. And Jesus doesn't stand and point the finger. He, he enables you to come into freedom. 
Jesus doesn't, there's no hidden motive in him. He doesn't want to embarrass you or bring shame or expose you or hurt you. He loves you. And he's the only one that can clean you. There's no darkness in him at all. And so we are lying. Ouch. If we say we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. He is light, and we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with him if we continue to live in spiritual darkness. I'm going to elaborate. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, this is not just living, and this is the phrase that I wanted you to all take out your mind. We read the scripture as living in the truth in terms of confession. It's more than that. Living in the light is so much more than confessing your, your sin. There's, it's more than that. We are not, but if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. Even our sin, our things that we are battling and fighting with, they even kill this relationship. They kill the ability to pull people close. It divides marriages right down the middle. It kills relationships before they get started. It destroys friendships if you're living in spiritual darkness. And the, so we will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And here's the kicker. If we claim we have no sin, we're not only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth, uh, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word is no place in our hearts. And I just want to take a little bit of time to explain this because so often we read the scripture and we think this. This scripture means if I sinned, I need to confess it to somebody and then Ask God for repentance and then confess it to people and then it's forgotten and then I can live. And then when it happens again, I must come and I must confess. Like it's not very different to the Catholics. That's how we read this so often. But actually there is so much more to this that, that John is trying to say when he says, I want you to know something about God. That in God there's no darkness and God is light. Do you know why he doesn't say truth? Because an element of God is light is God is truth. So the first thing is this, God is the truth. There is no truth outside of him. There is no subjective truth. There is no feeling that you can express that will override who he is. Okay, I mean, I think most of us get that. I can tell by worship that this, this we're okay with. But light also means this. God's light means he doesn't only show us what's wrong because that's what we think. God is the truth. And it's like a dark room. He shines his light in a room. And he doesn't only show you what's wrong. He shows you what could hurt you. He shows you the dangers around you. And he shows you the way to live. Okay. So I want to carry on with the scripture. So the purpose of the truth is that when you actually understand that God is light and he is the one without darkness and enables me to find freedom in the fact that there are things inside of me that I consistently need to bring into the light. Not just in confession, but in the way that I live.
So he says this. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. The spiritual darkness, uh, there's another scripture in John. I'm going to skip it for time's sake. Where it talks about the desires of this world and the darkness is fading. And so this, this darkness that it's talking about is when our lives are driven and determined by worldly desires. So it says, don't claim to have fellowship with God if this world that we, this, that we see and live and know is what controls our decisions that we make. Where will I work? What will I do? What will I become? Who will I be with? What will it be like? What about my money? What about my this? What about my that? Actually, the controlling emphasis of our decisions should be Jesus. Not with shame, but Jesus. So there's this uh, in 1 John 5 verse 20, and it says this, And we know that the Son of God has come, and He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and He is eternal life. And I know this is basics. And I, that's why I said you have heard this a lot, but I want to reemphasize this thing is what is holding so many believers back. Is the fact that there is shadows or darkness or things inside of us that we don't live in the light. Not just in confession, but we don't live with it in the light. There's an element of shame that the Lord wants to remove from us. Holy Spirit, I wonder if we can buy heads quick. God, you are the light. And you are the one without darkness right now. And there's no one here, not one of us, who haven't sinned. There's not one of us here that are blameless. But for the sake of wanting to live in fellowship with you, Holy Spirit, right now, would you highlight the areas in our life that are hidden in darkness. I pray that you'd bring to mind for people right now. Not shame. Come in this way. One John two verse eight it says this. Jesus lived the truth, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you are living in it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. So often we think that the sin that we're living in is sin of I've been involved, I've done something, or I've actually it can also be your posture and attitude towards others. Living in the light means living in love for one another. Yeah, especially around you right now. 
How do we love one another? To live in the light is to not just be in close proximity and to walk together, but it's actually to be in fellowship with one another. Part of the reason Jesus died for us was to restore relationship to him and relationship to each other. Do you know that the thing that you all, we all have most in common is not that you live in Stellenbosch and come to this church. Do you know that? That actually the thing that you have in most in common is that every single one of us are desperately in need of a Savior. And that every single one of us have areas of our heart that we want to hide. We have areas and motives and things and actions and there is things inside of us that we want to hide from him. But every single one of us, what we have in common is that Jesus wants to forgive those things. And he doesn't want to just forgive them. He wants to cleanse you of them. And when he removes us, if you are struggling with relationship, if you are lonely, I want to ask you, are you living in the dark? If you're not connecting with people, you're trying to connect on the wrong things. Maybe you don't, I don't know what everyone does here, you don't surf, so maybe you don't run, or maybe you don't cycle. Maybe you don't climb mountains, or maybe you don't do what everyone else does. That's not what causes you to be built into fellowship. That's not what you have most in common, is that you all like the same things. Maybe you don't care for rugby. We're going to pray for that afterwards. <laughs> maybe you don't, maybe you socially don't fit into all the little special circles, and I'm telling you, that's great, that's amazing, because that's not what is fe- fellowship is built on. Fellowship is built on the fact that I, Dan, am somebody who is consistently actually in a war and fighting against sin. That me, I know for me today, Dan, uh, if I had to ask you this question, so I'll start with me. Today, I, I know for a fact that I had a reaction to my son after church, between I went to church this morning and here. And I know for a fact that the way that I handled him was sinful that I didn't reflect Jesus to him. I didn't reflect a good father. I was short and sharp with what I said to him, and I didn't let him explain, and I shut him down. Do you know that I didn't walk into worship feeling separated from God because of that? Because that's in the light. Because I know that where I, I tell you what I did do is repent, what I did was bring it to him. We, we can very quickly, and, and obviously it's often what we have taught and how we're taught. You think that your relationship with God is, as long as it's kept current, so you can worship if you quickly ask for repentance for everything, and then you come to the front and then you worship. Then your worship will be amazing. But if you can't connect with God, you must first go into your corner and repent of your things. And No, that's not how it works. It talks about living in the light. There is this, there is this active, this is the way that I want to do my life. And I'm not ashamed of it. And because I'm not ashamed of it, I deal with it quickly. But when I'm ashamed of it, I don't deal with it quickly. And it, then it becomes something that festers and does damage and becomes harmful and more harmful and and, it, and eventually it ends up being this massive issue that you've picked up. 
this massive habitual behavior. You see, to, to repent for knowing that I've snapped and I've, that I've, I've acted out in anger and it's wrong and it's sinful before God and there's no excuse for it and I've asked him to repent. I've repented to him and I know that his grace has forgiven me. That enables me to not live in a pattern of that. But if I don't live like that, it becomes two weeks of lashing out in anger or acting out in sexual sin or alcohol or lack of self-control or self-centeredness or whatever it is. The way that you don't walk in darkness is that you actively live in the light on a continual basis. It prevents you from falling into the rut, the trap. Even with an elder, the rebuke is, if an elder is caught in a pattern of sin, rebuke him in front of everybody. If an elder gets stuck in that rut, it doesn't mean if an elder sins. Stand him up and rebuke him in front of everybody. That's not what the Bible's saying. I think very often that we're so afraid of the dark that we're more afraid of what's hidden than we love what is in the light. We're so afraid of what we've done or what, what is wrong or the negative or the bad behavior. We're so afraid of that that it affects, we, I actually am more scared of that than I love that. I'm telling you now that there, I, I, I could, in worship, I could just, I just felt like God highlighting guys that are just, that he has given grace to. Grace to lead, grace to rise up. Grace to, to, to be elders, grace to lead God's people. I could just, and I know that all the enemy wants to do is he just wants to kill your confidence. He just wants you to get, he just wants you to be afraid of trying. He just wants to keep you so afraid of sin that you never walk in the light. That you were so afraid of getting it wrong that you, that you actually don't realize that God is light. And in him there is no darkness. And if you have fellowship with him, if you live in a relationship of repentance and forgiveness and it is an incredible thing. Do you know what the most amazing thing is? Do you know who worships the most radical? Do you know who loves the best? Do you know who gives the most? Do you know the best are those who've been forgiven the most? <laughs> it's when you don't, it's, it's those who don't repent often and aren't on their knees thanking them for the grace that they've been received. That's when you struggle to worship. Mm, I'm not really feeling like it today. Listen, <laughs> it's, not, it's, not my, it's not really my style of music. <laughs> Do you know what he's done for you? Do you know what that means? I don't care what you're singing about. I'm forgiven. I have no shame. I have no, there's, there's, I know that I am a sinner, and I know that I sin, and I know that I repent, but I know I have no shame. I have a past. I have a track record of making mistakes at times. I have a track, I know that there is, but do you know what? More than that, there is a track record in my life of 
God, I've messed up and I need you. And I, and I come before him and every single time he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And he doesn't just forgive you, he cleanses you. And so we must be careful because we can, it can feel like and, and sin must have a weight. Even the smallest of sin must have, there must be a, uh, Nick Sophos uh, in our congregation, he preached this morning about the disease of being nearsighted. And he talked about not seeing the end result of your sin. There must be a weight to when we sin, by all means. But it doesn't stop there. Yeah, we're, not a, we're not afraid of the darkness because God is light. He wants to show us, in our, when you walk in fellowship with Jesus, not only does he show you what the darkness is, he shows you how to avoid it. Not only does he show you how to avoid it, he shows you how to live. If you live this way, you will stay out of the darkness. If you live this way, you won't. If you keep current in fellowship, if you keep current in relationships and accountability and pushing into community, but all it takes is withdrawal. And so often that's what it, it, it this is the cycle of sin that I see happen to people most. Guys are, man, God forgives you. And it's like, oh my goodness, I've gotten saved. Oh wow. And you come before, and you just feel like, you could just worship him for days. Nobody has to tell you, hey guys, you can come to the front. You kick the chair out the way in front of you with the old man on it. <laughs> You're like, give me an opportunity to worship. It's not like, hey guys, could you be at Com this week? You know, we really want to push into something. It's like, no ways. I want to find others like me. It's not like, hey guys, it'll be great if you invite your friends or evangelize to some of the people who don't know Jesus. You don't have to, when you first, when you got saved, did anyone have to tell you to do that stuff? No. Is it just me? <laughs> that was your natural response to grace. That was your natural response to forgiveness. But then what happens is you sin. And the first time afterwards, it's kind of like, I don't know, normally very cut up. It's normally like within a few hours of getting saved that you sin again. <laughs> the, and God, He only refines you as you go. Things that initially the Holy Spirit wasn't even talking to you about, it's like you have this, you get saved, you have this most incredible time of worship, you go outside and you smoke inches and you're talking to your mates like, that was incredible. And then... Six months later, then that thing is sin. And then it's like, then your attitude becomes, and then it's like, he, it's the sanctify, he just narrows it for you. But then there comes a point where we start to think that we know. We start to assume. We start to go through the motions. Repentance and living in the light and fellowship with Jesus and asking him to show us and those things start to become dull and not as well practiced. And then, you know, then those are those com meetings. I don't know, maybe you guys have never had it. Maybe that Stellenbosch don't struggle in this area. But how often when you say to guys, hey guys, what can we pray for? Guys are like, oh man, I just need a desire to spend time with God again. I'm like, hang on, wait, what? Oh man, can you just pray for me for a desire to read my Bible? Do you know what's in there? Have you read it? Like, 
I promise you, if you read this as the truth and believe it, there is nothing that will stop you wanting to read it. Then I, I couldn't stop you. I promise you. Oh man, I'm, I'm really, I'm just struggling in my disciplines. You know, praying, reading my Bible, worshiping on my own. I'm like, you mean the fundamentals of being a Christian? Yeah. Why? Because you can. You can assume to be a believer, attending church, going to come. You can be a leader in the church and living in spiritual darkness and not having fellowship with Him. That is a reality. I'm going to... I'm not going to emphasize what I wanted to. I'm going to just recap quickly. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. If you're feeling disconnected from Him, or disconnected to them, I think there is a darkness problem. I think there's a light off. I think you need to ask the Lord to come and shine His light in your heart again. For some of us, you've actually stopped even recognizing that certain things are sin. It's, uh, I was like, I, I, I mistreated my son with my words. And God's like, oh, was that a sin? Mm. For some of us, it's like we've stopped becoming, a, that's because they, you can't, I'm not saying you're all walking in darkness, please, disclaimer. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I think there is amazing fruit. I think there is incredible things that God is doing. I think there is so much life. And when I see God's life, I know that the enemy is waiting at your door. And more than ever, the Lord wants to do something with your life. He came to give you a purpose, a plan, a destiny. That you, you get saved into a family where you, where you have a part to play and you are needed and you are welcome and you are invited in. If you're not feeling a part of the family, if you're not feeling like you're on a mission with the rest of us, I want to tell you that Jesus wants to come and highlight some stuff in your life. Because when we live in the light, we find fellowship with each other easy. We find fellowship with the Lord easy. Like the band can play in the wrong key. It doesn't matter. The worship team can suck. That, yours doesn't. Trust me. I've had some sucky times of worship that are incredible. Because that, that doesn't... We'll have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, and this is what I, I really felt this, this afternoon when I was driving here. I really felt like for some, I think there's even areas where guys have repented and there's shame and there's a little bit of darkness or there's a little bit of keeping it under and there's a little, man, I'm not even saying that I want you to come up and confess and that I'm saying that I feel like Jesus wants to cleanse. That he wants to remove shame. That he wants to bring freedom. That he wants to bring confidence in him. He's not trying to trick you. 
There's no darkness in him. He's perfect. Babe, you want to share those two words? Um, I had, I got two pictures in worship that I just shared with Dan and he asked me to share it. Um, the first one was of this house and I saw in the picture, I saw Jesus walk through the house and the, la- the first bedroom or the first room he walked into was the lounge and the light was on. And then there were lots of rooms attached to this lounge and the doors were closed and, um, and he knocked on the doors and where the door was open, the light was not on and he went in and he turned on the light and then he went to the next one and then he went to the next one and he went to the next one and um and then Dan also just asked me asked me to share I shared it um last week in church as well but for me one of those doors when Dan asked me like what sin are you battling with at the moment I was like well I had to reflect and think about it um and then I, I realized it was self-centeredness. So I think I had a busy week and I just got caught up in myself. I got caught up in my kids and what I needed to do that week and the people we were seeing and dinner and just life and all the things that we were doing. And, um, and I was almost adding the Lord onto those things instead of really being centered in Jesus and living from a place of overflow and living out of a place of his life and um, I needed to make that shift Um, and so for me like when I got this word I was like oh Lord it felt like you turned that light on and and readjusted and brought alignment through that conversation Um, and it was actually an unexpected conversation that shifted um, the entire way that I was doing things um, and then the second, the, the second picture that I had was um, apparently in long ago when the um, Jewish people were meeting in their homes and they got kicked out of synagogues, they, they had to break down the walls to fit everyone in. Um, so they'd meet in a home and then when it got too big, they'd actually break down the, the internal walls at least so that they could all fit inside. And I felt like... Um, that the Lord wanted to do that in our lives as well, like break down some internal walls and um, yeah, and shine his light in, in every space in our lives and bring fellowship, make room in, in places that, are, that we're keeping from one another and, um, yeah, and that his love and his light can, can flow freely. They wouldn't be parts of us that we hold back knowingly or unknowingly. And then the last thing I just wanted to share was... Um, I read, I was reminded of this scripture just in light of that picture that I had in Revelation 3 verse 20, and it says, um, Jesus says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne that's an incredible thing and then he ends with saying anyone with ears to hear must listen to what the spirit uh, listen to the spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches and Jesus is talking to a whole church here but ultimately we are we are his church and um and that word is to every single one of us and preceding this um Jesus's encouragement is um for those that are 
battling with being hot or cold. And Jesus says, I want you to be one or the other, but the way in which you break free of that is to come before Jesus and to let him in in the way that, that he's asking. I'd love us to respond, but I, I did want to give... I wanted to assure you of something first, that I don't have a hidden motive in this. And it's not like, Leonard didn't ask me to preach on anything. So I, I don't know anything. I'm not coming in and he's like, hey, I would like you to ask this question or do this stuff. I, I promise you, I've, I've zero motive and zero context other than what I felt the Lord saying. And I really felt like he wants to come and he wants to bring his forgiveness and he wants to remove shame. And he wants to cleanse. And so what I, what I would like us to do, in, and the implication is that he wants to forgive us tonight. It's not like, I'm not trying to say, I want you to do this and then I'm going to trick you into this other little thing. No, no, no. I just want to extend to you what Jesus extended to me. And so I'd love to pray with us. And specifically, I'd love to say, if you feel like there is, some, if there is sin in your life at the moment, as much as even me coming here tonight, and I'm not going to tell you to go to your neighbor, and I promise you, I want to sort something out between you and Jesus. And so I want to ask, if there is anything, if there is any darkness inside any one of us that we feel like, God, I want to bring this to you, and I don't, right now, because of what I prayed earlier, where I asked the Holy Spirit to convict you and to bring things to the top of your mind, you are feeling probably a little bit nervous about it. I'm, this is not trying to expose. This is God wanting to bring forgiveness to that thing that, that popped into your head right now. He wants to remove it from you, and He will remove it from you today, now. That as, and this is what's going to happen, we're going to stand together and I'm going to help you, and we're going to repent. And we're going to confess it to him. And we're going to ask him to bring his forgiveness. And with his forgiveness, we're going to ask him to give his grace and his mercy and his kindness. And as you do that, then the Bible says he does what he does best. He is faithful and just to forgive. Is that Okay. So I'd love it if, if, if that's you, if you want me to pray with you. I wonder if you could stand with me. Holy Spirit, just come right now. I feel like for some it's small, small things. For some this is big things. This is... You're like, you're not even sure. You're not even sure if that or what I said to you is true. You're not even sure if I can be forgiven or that this can be taken away or that this shame can go or that this. And I want to tell you right now that the Lord has ordained this because he wants to cleanse you. He wants to give you his grace and kindness. So I wonder if you guys can repeat after me. Father, I need you. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I've sinned. I repent. I don't want to live like this. I want to live in the light. 
could you please forgive me? Could you take away my shame? Father, I ask right now that as we've, as we've asked in repentance, would you come right now with your forgiveness? Would you come and meet us? Would you come and remove heavy burdens? Would you come and remove the yoke that entangles? Would you come and remove years of hiding something? Would you come and untangle pain? Would you come and guilt? Would you remove it right now? Holy Spirit, I pray that right now for those struggling to receive forgiveness, would you help them to feel your forgiveness right now? Lord Jesus, we want to live in your light. We want to follow you, Father. We want to live in your fellowship. We want to be with you. We want to be with each other. We want to serve you with everything. Come on, let's pray. I want to ask if you've been... Um, baptized in the Holy Spirit, or if you've been given the gift of tongues for, for a few minutes, I just want to ask us, this, this gift is given to, to actually build you up. If you, if you are visiting, I'm sorry, this could feel a bit weird, um, but if you've been given that gift, I wonder if together we can just pray in tongues for a few minutes, uh, because I feel like I can stand here and tell you you're forgiven and your shame is removed and there's, there's nothing that can separate you, but you actually need to hear that from the Lord. And you need to feel that inside in your faith. You need to feel that inside of you. So, okay, so for two minutes, we're just going to pray in tongues together out loud. Okay? So let's do that. Father, would you come right now and encourage. Holy Spirit, you are given us the comforter, the helper, the one who draws alongside us, the one who enables us to live. It's impossible to actually live the life that you want to without the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come by your power into every one of us right now. I pray for conviction to stay away from ungodliness. I pray for uh, a sharpened conscience for those who've been caught in the habit of sin. I pray that, Jesus, you would break it off right now, that you remove all the cravings, all the addictions, all the wired way of thinking. I pray that you break that off in your name, Lord Jesus. And I ask, Father, that you would renew our mind, that you would give us a new way of thinking. Do the miraculous, Father. 
Lord, that you would help us to fight the fight, that you would help us to walk in the light, that you don't leave us. You don't just give us an impossible way to live and abandon us. You give us your Holy Spirit who helps us to live godly lives. Holy Spirit, would you come by your power? We need you. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you in our lives. We can't do this without you, Holy Spirit.